Welcome to Too Deep Hokies Under the Influence. My name is Pete Berthod, and my co-host is Robbie Dowling. Robbie, did you enjoy your weekend off of Hokie football? No. <laughs> Once you get into the rhythm, you don't want to get out of it. I was struggling on Saturday without something to watch. I didn't enjoy it that much. I don't know about you in terms of having a week off, but bye weeks are always, t- always tough for me. Yeah, man. I, I I was looking forward to it a little bit because it meant I didn't have to take notes or really concentrate on any games. But, yeah, I missed it. I was I started to get really bored uh, after Notre Dame started really blowing out Syracuse. And I was waiting on Louisville-Clemson, which was awesome and an instant classic. But, uh, yeah, I was bored without the hooky football. Uh why don't you give us a cheers and we can fire this thing up? I'll give us a, a our backdoor entrance into the the top twenty five as my cheers. I don't know that we should be ranked twenty five in the AP poll. I also don't know if there's anybody that should be ranked ahead of us, given how many people lost. So ten teams in the top twenty five lost, which I suspected but didn't want to come out and say it. I know that's kind of a cop out. I suspected, I looked at all the matchups and I thought that we might creep into the top 25 this week because of all the matchups that were happening and top 25 versus top 25 that were going to happen. And it ended up working out that way. And in fact, there were enough upsets that when the AP poll voters got together and combined everything, they couldn't pick enough teams ahead of us is how I would characterize. Not that we can't be top 25. I'm just not sure if we are. I think we're on the bubble. It just so happened everybody lost. But we got the we got the number by our name. That's all that matters. <laughs> That's right, man. I'm pumped about that. Cheers to that. Cheers. <clears throat> yeah, it seems silly to be excited about something that really doesn't mean anything. But, hey... It's been a while. It's been since after the Ohio State game since we were ranked uh, when we beat them in the horseshoe, and I think we moved up to 17 that time. And we're number 25, the last spot, but I'll take it. And it it required about five teams after ranking number 17 to lose in order for us to get in. It's great to move up on a bye week, but it's – it's satisfying to just be in the top 25 again. It feels good. It's where it's where tech belongs, and our upcoming opponents also in the AP poll after upsetting Florida State and UNC, and they're at number seventeen. So we got a ranked matchup coming up, and we're going to bring in a guest to preview that matchup and just go over his thoughts on Tech. And he's been on the show before, and let's give him a call. We are now welcoming in Joe Lanza from thekeyplay.com. He is their editor and founder. He came on with us last season to talk about the coaching search, and we're glad to have him back, and we want to get his thoughts on on how the season's going so far. Joe, how are you doing? Good, Pete. How are you guys doing? We're good, man. Uh, we were just saying we're happy to be back in the top 25, and it seems silly because you know the rankings really don't matter at this time of year, but it still felt so good to me and Robbie to be at that number 25 spot. Uh, what was your take on that? Uh, I don't really think the number does it for me. I think it's good from like a recruiting standpoint because I'm sure like Virginia Tech has just been hammering its Rolodex of recruits with, you know, hey, Virginia Tech football is ranked again. We're number 25 in the country. I mean, they had like a graphic ready to go as soon as it happened. When we like thumped Boston College or excuse me, when we thumped ECU, they were already, you know, some of the recruiting staff was tweeting out rank us. So I'm sure they're leveraging it, which is good. I think what would matter for me, like if we, if we, I feel like we haven't really beat anyone yet. I know ECU has been kind of a pain in our ass for many years and Boston college is a, you know, they have a, a solid, they had a solid defense last year. And, and I think the jury's out on whether or not their defense is quite as good this year, but you know, it's a conference win. It's a conference win, but uh, having that win against North Carolina coming up, I think that would, that would actually get me excited because then there's something, you know, on paper that's like, Hey, these guys, actually have a signature win, something that's been missing from the program for quite a few years. Quality losses. Uh, that's, uh, that's the name of the game, right? That's what, that's what everybody's going off of. Yeah. That's pretty much what we have right now. <laughs> yeah. We've, we've lost to a five and O team and that's, that's almost our, uh, yeah, the best thing we have in our back pocket. But like Joe said, the recruiting thing is something I didn't really consider because you're right. They did pop out that graphic and, and when coaches go into teams, you know, that's something they can say. So that, that's a, that's a good point. Uh, I also saw that the ACC 
confirmed that they were going to stick with the eight-game schedule for now and kind of the eight-plus-one model where we have to play one Power 5 opponent in addition to our eight games. Uh, I don't have a lot to say about this. Me and Robbie kind of talked about it in the offseason. But, Joe, just give us your opinion on the eight- or nine-game schedule. What Do you have a, a favorite either way? No, I really don't care. I just don't want to play Boston College every year. That's really my <laughs> – that's really my uh, my take. I just wish we could play. You know, it's nice that we play Boston College everywhere. And, and, you know, we were – a lot of this stems from the fact that we used to be head and shoulders above Boston College. But now we were, we've been kind of punching in the same weight class as of late, although that seems to hopefully be changing. But, yeah, I'm just tired of playing them every year. I wish they would rotate the division opponents or just get rid of the cross-division thing. It's like you really can't make anyone happy. At the end of the day – you know, if you get rid of the cross-division opponents, then Miami and FSU wouldn't play, and you know some of the North Carolina schools wouldn't play as much. And if you go to nine games, then uh, you know Georgia Tech and uh, Louisville and Clemson and Florida State have you know their SEC game at the end of the year plus an extra conference game, and then maybe Notre Dame, so they don't want to do it. I think the easiest thing would be to just switch Boston College with uh, you know the cross rivals, you know, give us Louisville and give UVA Boston College. I think that'd be amicable for like everyone, even though Virginia Tech would be a harder schedule for us every year. At least it would be, you know, another home game that would sell out every year and like a trip that a lot of Hokies uh, could and would make. I think it'd be an act, a very natural rivalry between kind of two, you know, uh, cantankerous fan bases already. Yeah, I would I would have to agree with that. That I've heard that switching theory before, where we would take on Louisville uh, every year as the crossover. And UVA switches to BC, and obviously that I love that idea. I don't like playing BC any more than you do. And you're right; like the regions of where we are, it seems to make sense. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen. We're still going to play Louisville every you know seven years, I guess, at this point. But I would like to see just like you said, eliminate that crossover altogether and just get an extra team from the other side every year, so it changes it up. But I don't know if Robbie feels the same way. I I pulled a stat today that I, I almost tweeted to 12 different people, but I didn't end up sending it out. We play F between 2014 when Louisville came in and 2024 when the ACC schedule is set up. That's 11 years. And we play Louisville, FSU, and Clemson five times over that period of time combined. That's that's ridiculous. That's less than two times, you know, every two years. And in the day and age that people are going to two out-of-conference power five. Everybody's doing it because of strength of schedule and how much it means for the playoff. And I'm not contending that we are a playoff team, but let's act the part like the ACC is trying to keep up with the Big Ten and what other people are doing. Obviously, the SEC still has the same model that, that we do, but people are making changes, and it feels like we're stuck a little bit in the status quo. But that's just my opinion. And I'd rather have a harder schedule and go to a home game against Clemson, FSU, or Louisville more often. Louisville's not even on the schedule through 2024, and I'd love to see that in Lane Stadium. That's my point, I guess, and then where I fall out on it. I guess I guess the nice thing is is that Babcock, if you I'm bringing up the future schedule right now, but you know, from memory, it's like we have series against, you know, Penn State, Michigan, you know, home and home, Penn State, Michigan, West Virginia. Wisconsin, all these big time power five schools. So, you know, and some of them align to where like, I think one year we're playing like Penn state and Michigan in the same season or Michigan, West Virginia, whoever it is, but two, you know, big time, uh, non-conference power five schools. So at least Babcock isn't just scheduling, you know, two one double a schools like North Carolina did, uh, last year. And they might even have done it this year, but at least we're scheduling like games that fans would want to travel to, I just think it's kind of silly that you're in a conference and you know you're not playing your conference teams a little bit more often. And the conference teams you are playing, you should play you know conference games that are actually marketable to ESPN. The whole point of getting to nine games was so you had a better television offering. I think ESPN would want to have like a Louisville Virginia Tech game on you know Thursday night or Saturday night or whatever more than they want to have Virginia Tech Boston College, which is like you know the ACC network you know game of the week. Right. I, and I, I completely agree. I think sometimes the ACC really misses the mark on trying to capitalize on the matchups you could make. And the Big 12 has done a much better job of always trying to put the best games at the end of the year, even though they don't, you know, they don't have that championship game, or at least they haven't had it. 
and uh, they've always done a really good job of making sure at the end of the season, you know, that Baylor TCU or you know that Oklahoma Baylor game is is in a good spot. And you know, now they still have they're wasting BT on this BC game every year. It seems kind of silly, but anyway, we've got a game this weekend. The bye week, you know, both me and Robbie were saying we were a little bored this past weekend, even though there were some good games. Uh, I'm excited about this UNC game, and the fact that both teams are ranked now is even more exciting. Uh, I know Robbie's pumped as well, and and Joe, you you were tweeting up a bunch of things after the game, uh, after the games on Saturday, and even Sunday morning, how excited you were. Uh, it's it's a, a really important measuring stick for this team, to uh, the for the coastal, for the ACC in general, and there's a hurricane coming. We'll see what happens with that. I'm hoping that uh, the reports today, we're recording this on Wednesday, that you know it might miss Chapel Hill enough so that they could play the game. And I think, Robbie, were you saying they're going to meet again tomorrow maybe? I think it's at 1 p.m. They have their on 1 p.m. Tomorrow's Thursday, I believe, uh, <laughs> this week. And without football, I never know when it is. <laughs> so I think it's 1 p.m. tomorrow. They're meeting again on it. Well, we're going to assume for the sake of this podcast that they're going to play the game. And uh, – we're going to have Joe here to, to help us through this preview. And, and Joe, I guess just to start off here, you know, Larry Fedora, he's become this kind of is interesting figure. You know, he's in the talks about LSU. His name keeps popping up as a potential candidate there. And he's obviously had a, a good year last year at the UNC, but it was really his first one. I've always kind of thought that, you know, he wasn't the strongest coach in the world. Uh, I, I would find it hard to believe that he would move to to LSU or that that's the the level that they're coming in at. But how do you feel in terms of him and his early season failures and that kind of thing, and and how Bud has done a really good job against his offense over the years? Uh, Fedora is a pretty he's a good coach. I think he just gets in his own way a lot. I think he outthinks himself. I mean, he has you know Elijah Hood is probably one of the best running backs in the ACC. You know that next. I guess like Dalvin Cook is probably the best in the league, head and shoulders. And uh, but you never know if you give that other, uh, you know, the kid at UNC some more carries, you know, Hood some more carries. You know, he could be that same type of, you know, power back. You know, James Conner too. I don't want to forget him. He's also one of the best. But yeah, I feel like you know, yeah, those that game against South Carolina last year it was just like, dude, run the ball. You were killing South Carolina between the tackles. And then he just went away from it to throw passes in the end, uh, in the red zone and just, you know, screwed yourself. And he's done that in other games, too. He kind of did a little bit against Georgia. So I think he's a, has a good offensive mind. I just think sometimes his play, the play calling, you know, goes awry. And I don't know if he is the play caller or if the OC calls plays. But even as the head coach, you probably got to step in and say, dude, we're crushing the ball on the ground. Let's probably just keep giving the ball the hood. And their offensive line is like a, a veteran O-line group. So I think he's a good coach. He's a pretty good recruiter. They've recruited North Carolina really well. They have, you know, it's kind of like probably what Tech's recruiting can probably be, like a lot of, you know, high three-star guys and then, you know, some regional four-star and five-star guys to kind of round out your class and, you know, maximize. So uh, I don't think they have, you know, they don't have, they have Gene Chizik, the defensive coordinator, but I think we have the better uh, edge there. You know, I think it's going to be a, I think Bud, uh, Fedora, I think, said it himself on a media event or a conference call that Bud's always done a good job of adjusting to what beat him last year. So I would imagine that Fedora will have uh, something up his sleeve. And it should be interesting to see how kind of Virginia Tech's defense, um, you know, with less man coverage, more eyes kind of focus on the football, more zone, and really having, you know, three corners on the field between Mook, uh, Stroman, uh and who's ever at that they had a last corner spot uh, during the game, um, either, excuse me. Adonis, uh, yeah. Yeah, Adonis or Faison. Uh, the three of those guys, you know, three of the four guys are really just corners on the field. So, you know, you have like five really capable DBs. So, you know, it's it's it'll be interesting to see how much, you know, how that kind of changes the dynamic a little bit. I'm hoping it means a little more, you know, uh, chaos. I forget what the actual stat is, but I was looking at, you know, Virginia Tech's like havoc factor. These advanced stats have havoc factor. And I'm not really sure what havoc factor means other than kind of <laughs> the buzzword of havocy. But yeah, like I would watch Virginia, I watched Virginia Tech's defense this year. And I'm like, yeah, they're actually causing some chaos again, which is like what, you know, passes my eye test of what, what havoc or chaos is. And it's like the defensive line is doing a great job of, 
you know, flustering the quarterback and then the quarter, you know, they're pressuring the quarterback into running and the, there have been guys to pick up the quarterback most of the time and, or they're forcing quarterbacks into bad decisions. So, uh, it's going to be a really good matchup, Fedora's offense versus Bud's defense. Yeah, I would agree. And I would expect that, um, the success of UNC, yes, Hood is a good player, uh, but it's going to go through Mitch Trubisky, who's been having a great season. And I was looking yeah. at some of his stats, and they're they're pretty astounding. Now, I don't think he had the greatest game against Georgia, and that cooled people kind of like – because coming into the season, there was a lot of hype. Um, but the last three, four games, he's been unstoppable. And, Robbie, I don't know if you feel the same way, but these numbers are, are kind of incredible. Mitch Risky looks fantastic. In fact, I, I, a lot of the national media, I don't take too much stock in what they put out there, but he's snuck into a, a, a Heisman candidate for a lot of those people. He's in the five spot, but a lot of people think that he's he's that good in what they've seen. On the year, he's 133 for 175, a 76% completion percentage which is outrageous with 13 TDs and zero interceptions. He also he didn't play as much but he didn't I don't think he had an interception last year and 1700 yards. He's a pocket passer but he has the ability to scramble when it's necessary and in fact there's been talk that he hasn't showed that off as much but it could be um could be something that we see come come Saturday. In in the FSU game, I watched that game. He was thirty one for thirty eight and four hundred yards. Yeah, man, a lot that was of that. Crazy. Yeah, it was outstanding. A lot of it was to to Ryan Switzer, which um, you know I'll quickly hit on Elijah Hood in terms of the offense, and then we can get to Ryan Switzer because that kid's a stud and has been a thorn for many teams. He looks healthy. He looks like he's good to go after sitting out the second half against FSU. He didn't do a lot during that game, but I still think he's an exceptional running back. The f- most frightening part is TJ Logan might even look scarier than him and what he's doing as their other running back. So you can afford, if you're confident enough in TJ Logan, and we're not in the practices, but if you're confident enough in TJ Logan, you can spell one with the other He's got eight TDs. He's got a kick return for a touchdown and another five rushing touchdowns and two receiving touchdowns for almost 800 all-purpose yards. So their running back core is, especially in sloppy weather, it scares the hell out of me. And I really hope Bud and that whole defensive side of the ball is on their game in in the run because I think it's going to be critical in what happens here. Yeah, I would say the same thing. I mean, Trubisky, the 13 TDs and and then an additional four rushing touchdowns, it, it's nuts, man. No picks. His QBR is third in the country. His quarterback rating is is top 10. I mean, he's he's playing really efficient football and and with the weapons they have at wide receiver and, and you know, you mentioned the running backs, but Switzer, you know, we know him. You you said it right away. 47 receptions through the first five games. He's It's like getting 10 catches a game. It's it's unreal, man. Over over 500 yards already, a couple touchdowns. And they've got the big guys on the outside, too, and, and Howard and Matt Collins. Um, they haven't put up crazy stats quite yet, but they definitely could. It's just because Switzer's been producing so much and Logan has been producing so much. You're right. In sloppy weather, that offensive line that they have, um, which is keeping their sack numbers and their tackle for loss numbers low, uh, and brought back a ton of starters. It, it's it's scary. It, this is a a stacked offense, and I said I think I said in our summer preview that if if Trubisky was seventy five percent of the quarterback that they thought he was going to be this year, that they would have a really good season, and he might be you know, closer to that ninety or a hundred percent of what they thought he was going to be. He has been nothing short of spectacular with that seventy six percent completion percentage uh, so far this season. It's crazy. Is uh, is Ryan Switzer like forty years old? I mean, North Carolina's team for so many years. He's probably got. He's probably like working on his MCATs right now. He's got to be in med school or something. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, every year it's like he's a senior this year. Finally, I look when I was uh, editing something, I saw he was a senior, and I was like, "Great, go to the NFL, go get some real money," because I think he'll find it. Like he's, you know, I know this is like prototypical. 
Patriots talk that like if you were to put <laughs> like this guy like is like just destined to be like a, a Patriots type receiver. Like he's, what he does. He's drawing comparisons to Wes Welker. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's exactly. weird based on his skin color. Uh, but that's yeah. exactly what we said in the preview too. We said, "How old is Ryan Switzer?" And he's why is he not gone yet? The most it's frightening part. He's his average per reception. So first year I get it. Second year I get it. The last three years his average per reception is nearly identical. So even as people are game planning against him, knowing how much of a threat he is, it's still not changing the damage that he's doing to teams. And that is the most frightening part of him. You would think that it would be kind of shorter yardage. People are kind of creeping up on him. No, he's still juking people when getting open in space. And he's also a supreme returner as well and has been doing that for years with a couple touchdowns last year. I don't know if he has one this year yet, but you're right. He, even though teams know about him, he's still catching bombs and getting open, and he's just an extremely talented player, and, and he's fun to watch, quite frankly. I mean, I don't like to watch him against Tech, but he's a, he's a really, really good player. Yeah, um, he's, he's extremely dangerous out of the slot. I mean, he can, he can do all that stuff going across the field, but he can also just, just work vertically and just and just beat teams vertically and i think just having that the threat of the east west stuff you know he he's able to you know go east west and just turn it up north south or vice or turn it up north or vice versa and just really kind of confuse uh defenses well before we talk about um the north carolina defense why don't we take a beer break and robbie i'm gonna go to you first and then i'll ask joe but robbie what are you drinking over there I have the, I think it's the Hopsite. It's an autumn IPA, so I'm starting to transition into what our one of our future episodes would be coming up here that we don't want to get into, but it's one of my favorites that we did last year, which is the pumpkin episode. And I'm not even a big pumpkin beer fan, but I thought it was pretty cool. This is an autumn IPA. It's from Deschutes Brewery, who we've had on because they have the Fresh Squeezed, which is probably one of my favorite summer beers. And it's out of Bend, Oregon, Deschutes Brewery. It's fantastic. I really like it. It's perfect for the weather starting to cool down a little bit now and not nearly as hoppy as some of the summer IPAs that are out there. Joe, I have a guess, but I'm curious as to what you're drinking. Uh, I'm drinking a beer that was introduced in 1844. <laughs> it's an American-style lager uh, <laughs> sold by a small brewery in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the Paps Brewing Company. It's the Blue Ribbon winner, Paps Blue Ribbon. Oh, oh, that's that's interesting. I feel like you mixed it. You mixed it up. That's awesome. <laughs> like you went Paps, but a different style, right? <laughs> no, they're all the blue ribbon. Oh, that. Oh, it's it's the same. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, I am drinking the Shaffley Oktoberfest. Now I'm, I'm not sure I've ever gotten this brewery's name right. It's uh, the S Shaffley. Okay, we'll go with that Shaffley uh, out of St. Louis and. I bought a bunch of different Oktoberfests, making my own six-pack at the store the other day, and this is one of the best ones I picked up. Now, I've noticed that a lot of, based on the brewery, the Oktoberfest will be all different types. The German ones tend to be lighter, and the American ones tend to be a little bit more maltier and uh, amber in color. But this one's really good, and I love everything Shafly does. I mean, their Christmas beer is one of my favorites. This is 5.5% alcohol, so it's a good amount. has a really good flavor to it, the Shafly Oktoberfest. Let's talk about the Gene Chiswick defense of North Carolina. He seemed to do a really good job with them last year, stepping up their game because they were atrocious. I think ECU dropped 70 points on them a couple seasons ago. But uh, they made some strides last year. But the rushing defense never came around, and it seems to still be that way. Uh, their defensive line, it just they were going to struggle. They were trying to bring guys along. I'm not sure if you saw any playmakers there um, in the front seven, Robbie, but... I'm not seeing a whole lot. Now, I I think their linebacker and their secondary talent is a, a little bit better here than their up front. Although those guys were gassed. I watched the FSU game. Those guys were gassed towards the end of the game. But they kept, obviously, they, they allowed FSU back in the game. So with an up-tempo that we're going to be running, very similar to 
um, you know, uh, what UNC is going to be running, which people have talked about. I, I think we can wear them down if we play consistent and keep the ball off the ground. Donnie Miles at safety, you know, he's, he's a good player. Uh, Andre Smith at linebacker. I didn't really note anybody, you know, on the defensive line that scared me too much. And in watching that FSU game, they played well and better than most expected, especially in that first half. But this is not a world-beating uh, defense here. And in fact, if you look at any of the advanced stats on them, they're not ranked that well either from you know games against whether it be Power 5 or otherwise. They've been... They've been challenged this year and have not really granted they were going up against Dalvin Cook, who's as good as advertised in that FSU game. But I'm not seeing anything here that scares me too much. It's more about their linebacker play, which I think is a little bit better. And I think their secondary is probably the better of the three, but it's hard. I mean, it's not a great defense, quite honestly. Yeah, I mean, I think their secondary is pretty solid. Stewart and Lawrence are back, and they were two of the best corners in the ACC last year, Stewart, um, I think is probably their best player on, on the defense overall. He has four pass breakups this year, two forced fumbles. Uh, he has, he's the fifth on the team in tackles. And then Des Lawrence, the other corner has three pass breakups. Their leading tackler is Donnie miles. One of their safeties. He's averaging nine and a half tackles per game. And uh, Dominic Green is the other safety, and he's fourth on the team in tackles. And it's never good, I don't think, when the secondary is leading all the categories in tackles. There's a few linebackers sprinkled in there, but their secondary is having to take a lot of guys down. And and uh, Donnie Miles is, is definitely a good player as well at safety. But, yeah, other than their defensive backs, you've got, like you said, Andre Smith, Cole Holcomb at, at linebacker. But the the defensive line, you know, they're 60th in sacks. They're 69th in uh, tackles for loss. It's not scaring you at all. And and they're not the only part of that offense without an interception, or an offense or defense without an interception. They have zero interceptions on the year, which is exactly the number that their QB has. So I thought that was interesting. They still have not, are yet to pick somebody off from what I could tell in my stats. I don't know if you uh, saw the same. I did, I did see that. And. You know, Gerard Evans, he, he hasn't really thrown an interception either. He has one on the stat sheet, but it was a uh, yeah, it, yeah, exactly. It was a uh, bounce off the hands of Isaiah Ford that popped into a defender's hand. So uh, I would hope that UNC doesn't get their first interception against us, considering how good Evans has looked. And and I'm I'm curious, Joe, is if you're looking at this and you see that they've got a strong secondary, and we've really struggled to open up holes on the offensive line uh, for Trayvon McMillan and, and, and so forth. Um, I'm wondering how we're going to attack this team because, you know, our, our weakness is also their weakness and, you know, our strength is their strength. So I'm not sure exactly what to expect from our offense. Do you have any thoughts on the matter? Uh, well, first of all, I would say that their defense is kind of, I would best as of right now, going by advanced stats, their defense looks rather assy. I mean, they're, <laughs> They're like a hundred overall by S and P. I think by your normal box score stats, they're last in the ACC in rush defense, which is like wow. Considering we play in a league with like UVA and Wake Forest and schools like that, NC State. Yeah, they're giving uh, up almost two hundred and forty yards a game on the ground. Yeah, um, the defense. You know, I say this with a caveat. I'm sure their defense is going to come out and play spectacular, but their defense doesn't really worry me uh, too much. My guess is like Fuente is going to just do what Fuente does. I don't, you know, I'm sure he has wrinkles in mind for them, but I mean, you know, our offense is, you know, going to do what they do. They're going to go east west. And then when they start going east west, we're going to go, you know, north south and hit them in the, uh, hit them between the legs. So, um, you know, I'd imagine just a lot of, I don't really see us coming out in any sort of special, you know, wrinkle. I'm sure we'll kind of come out. It seems like the last, every game we've played, we've come out very vanilla the first couple of series and move the ball well. And then from there, we, you know, just more or less get, you know, get them going one way and then just start going the, the opposite way. It's really what the offense is, is just moving the defense, getting the defense thing you're doing one thing and then doing something off. It's just really well called, really good play calling. Yeah. And, yeah. I, I would agree with that. And it's kind of, it's interesting because I was saying last time, 
it's kind of a we are slow going sometimes in our last few games, but then all of a sudden we score twenty one points in a quarter or something, and and it just yeah. all comes at once. It reminds me of more of the Clemson offense with Chad Morris, maybe not in the exact same plays, but just kind of you know getting influencing influencing the defense to do one thing, and then once you've gotten them to really commit to stopping something, going back with something they haven't seen yet, or then at that point showing going with something they haven't seen on film yet and then getting your yards off that. It's just a lot of countering and a lot of, you know, making your opponent beat themselves at some level. So, I mean, I think the big thing that I would say the weather, I know we mentioned the hurricane a little bit, but the uh, I think the weather, you know, if North Carolina's defense has a good day, my guess is there will be some weather mishaps involved which i think is like kind of the random factor of this game whether or not it's you know fumble like we were fumbling or you know just i mean with a wet football just weird stuff happens but like on paper even by traditional stats and advanced stats north carolina's defense isn't very good now they've played some pretty good offenses so you know that probably could have something to do with it and they've played some decent you know uh, skill players too but um yeah their defense doesn't their defense doesn't wow me too much this year. Yeah, I, and that's the thing. It's going up against uh, a weaker defense has never concerned me with Tech. I, even going back to guys before Fuente, it's it's the really good defensive teams that are going to cause problems for us. And uh, I don't know, Robbie, if what your thoughts are on the defense, but I expect to throw up some points, I, a significant amount, and probably, you know, like we've been doing. 35 plus I, I i can't see any reason why we wouldn't but it is on the road and and evans you know we haven't really haven't had that that road test since since the tennessee game in bristol um but i think if we hold back the turnovers we should have a pretty good day offensively yeah i thought the most interesting part of the unc florida game was the defensive line was containing the middle pretty well and but on the outside they were getting demolished by Dalvin Cook. And we know he's a good runner in space, but they got destroyed. Up the middle, the defensive line was actually able to contain that and much better than they were in previous games. So that that's going to be interesting. I am this this game I'm excited about just to see what we put out there. But my hope is and I know you have to. We have to run it up the middle. We got to keep the defense, you know, on their toes. You can't just run it to the outside every time. That that didn't work against one of the top running backs in the entire nation, which I would consider Dalvin Cook to to probably be in the top five. And I think we have really good running backs. Uh, I, I'm not sure that any of them are necessarily better than than Dalvin Cook. So we're gonna have to create. We're gonna have to create some east west space. More than even I think Fuente usually does, which he is an expert at. That's that's part of what he he brings to the table. It's going to be a hard fought game. The, the shitty weather is going to be make it difficult. And like Joe said, when the ball gets wet, weird things happen. We as long as we stay away from the four or five game, you know, fumbles in a game like week one and week two, then I think we'll be in in better shape. And Mitch Trubisky's going to be tough with Ryan Switzer. I, I, I'm guessing we're going to put face on him. I, that's what my inclination is, is going into this game. And he's had trouble on the deeper threats. He's been great on shorter yardage, but when he gets deep, he seems to lose sight of the ball. And maybe he has his feet back under him after being out for a while. And our secondary needs to play, you know, overall lights out. That's that's where I think this game is going to be a make or break is containing their run and us being able to to make sure that Elijah Hood uh, or TJ don't don't get their feet under of them, especially if it's in sloppy weather. If this is back in Blacksburg, then I probably have a lot of different thoughts if it's dry and and it's a little bit better playing conditions. Well, it could work in our favor too. I would think just because Trubisky has been passing so well, they have the running game and they, the the players anyway, and and the offensive line to definitely do it on the ground. But they do their damage through the air, and so a sloppy game could work in our favor. Now, Evans has been great for us too. I don't know. I, you know, a, a couple days ago, I was I was much more confident that we were going to win this game. 
Um, after watching them against FSU, it's not like I was completely blown away by UNC, but it did surprise me. The result of that game surprised me. Their toughness and in, in having the lead and blowing it and then winning it at the end, it was it was more impressive than I expected from UNC, especially on the road. They snapped a 22-game winning streak of FSU at home. Uh, it was impressive. It was an impressive victory for sure and uncharacteristic of the Tar Heels, I'd say, historically. I'm wondering, Joe, we have a couple we, – we got some lines here, but I want to ask you specifically about the Virginia Tech-North Carolina line. Right now I'm seeing UNC as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. I think that came down – it was as high as maybe six-and-a-half to the Heels. Yeah, I think it opened at six-and-a-half. I think so, it opened it. Yeah, so we're – people are – are pounding the Hokies here, uh, it, and this is essentially a pick'em now. But who do you like in this one, man? Uh, I mean, I'm just gonna go. It is a pick'em, so I'll just pick Virginia Tech. I wouldn't be. I'm not gonna be surprised either way. I think it'll be a good game and a close game. I do think we'll see. I do think we'll see Virginia Tech play a little bit faster than they have played this year on offense. I feel like there's a little bit extra gear that this offense can go in, and we've kind of just by the number of plays we run, just. We haven't played as fast as I think we can yet, and I think this will be the game that we kind of throw it into that next gear. So, um, yeah, I think we're going to look to really gas their, you know, gas their defense out. Um, but yeah, I'll take Virginia Tech in this game. I mean, it's just a coin flip, so got to go with the Hogies. I, I think that's an excellent way to put it, and I've kind of noticed that Joe and I never put it together quite as well as you just did. Is We've heard so much about this tempo offense, and we've also heard from Justin Fuente that he's not going to just run tempo to put up points or you know try and play as fast as possible to put up points and then gas his defense. And I guess in the first, you know, the first four games, I thought about it as maybe he's more measured. I didn't watch nearly as much tape on Memphis as other people probably did. I kind of wanted to come out clean slate and see what he's going to do with our offense with different playmakers. But I think you're right. There there wasn't a lot of reason to step on the gas pedal in any of the first four games. One, just because you don't want to show that to people, what you're actually capable of. And two, just the scores of the games and what happened even with the UT game, what was it really going to you know, matter overall to to the outcome. So I feel like there's a lot more gas in the tank to your point now that I'm thinking about it, which is is going to be beneficial for us because that UNC defense was freaking gassed in, in the second half against FSU. And I can't imagine what they're going to be like if we come out and play the way that we, I think, that we think we have the potential to. So my pick's going to be Virginia Tech in the upset. And my number one concern is just keeping the ball off the ground, is keeping momentum, even if we throw two interceptions. I'm going to go Virginia Tech here. And the one and a half doesn't even matter. It's a pick em coin flip game. Yeah, well, I mean... Clearly, I'm a gigantic homer. You know, we're doing a, a Hokies podcast, so of course I want to pick the Hokies, and I, I'm going to because I didn't go with them against ECU. The, the line just seemed too big, and even I was surprised at how much we kicked their butt. But this game, like I said, I went through the wave of like, oh, yeah, we're definitely going to beat UNC. And then over the weekend, I'm like, you know, I'm a little bit nervous. And, and today I, I'm still feeling those nerves. Uh I just think that Bud, he's done a really good job against Fedora over the years. Uh, even in games where we've gotten beat, you know, that game last year in the third quarter, it was 10-10, to 10, and UNC hadn't lost a game in the ACC up to that point. The, the score went higher, you know, the game went to overtime and all that kind of thing, but we were holding them really well, and they had just as many playmakers, in, including a more mobile QB in Marquise Williams. So I just think that the, the pocket passer suits what Bud likes to do a lot better and that we will be able to hold them. They're, they're of course, going to get points. I, I expect Switzer to have a TD and Matt Collins to have a bomb or something like that. But when it comes down to it, I think that we're going to outlast them. And, yes, UNC beat Florida State, and, yes, they beat Pitt. That was a combined three points to win those two games. 
So it's not like they, they had these convincing victories. And I don't think Pitt is very good. I mean, that's besides the point. But I think they will maybe put up 25, 27 points, something like that. And I think I think we'll get to our 35-point mark and uh, hopefully win the game comfortably. But uh, I, I will take any kind of win, especially on the road. It's going to be a hard-fought game, like you said. I think we will open it up a little bit later once we wear them down a little bit. Yeah, I think they tried to go a little bit up-tempo, more up-tempo against Tennessee, but every time they had a drive going, they just fumbled or there was like a penalty or some, something got in their way. So I just don't think they had the momentum to really keep up the pace. But I really, against ECU and Boston College, they had momentum in a lot of other ways, like on defense and special teams. So I don't think they pushed on offense. And hopefully that works to Tech's advantage because, I mean, North Carolina, Virginia Tech's been at home resting, you know, self-evaluating. North Carolina – you know, it's played two pretty close games. They were just traveling down to Florida, another back here. So I think that that works in Tech's uh, advantage. I think like the most fun thing about this game is it's actually fun to talk about a Virginia Tech team that's actually like not terrible. Like <laughs> it's exciting. It's like exciting. Like, I remember last year when I came on the show, it was just like, oh, can we just hurry up and you know move on and get a new coach and kind of you know move forward with with life and it was just kind of like limbo. And it's like, I'm not sure if Virginia Tech's actually good, but I know it's like there's actually – it's exciting to, you know, care about Virginia Tech football again. And it's like we'll find out, I think, on Saturday, you know, whether or not this team is good or not. I think this is really like – like you said earlier, Pete, is a, is a measuring stick game for where the program's at. And, like, I'm not sure, you know, we could go out there and get whooped by, like, you know, 20 points and – we could see a lot of things that, you know, have creeped up before, like Andrew Matuapuaka not being able to, you know, cover and pass coverage. North Carolina going really fast on offense and us not having that, you know, next level defensive end depth to get on the field when they're cycling in and out uh, defensive tackles. We could see, you know, the fumbling come back again. They're, they're, we could see our receiving, you know, the backup receivers not making plays. There's definitely a lot of reasons on the board of, like, why Virginia Tech would lose. Like, um, But there's, you know, I think the optimism a little bit has kind of has blurred a lot of people's visions vision in terms of like, wow, this team is starting to really put it together. So, you know, I don't know if there's reasons why there could be a regression, but it's still, you know, exciting to, to, to cover a team and to, you know, root for a team that's going on the road to play another top 25 team in the conference in early October. So it's that that's actually a, a fun, a fun thing for me that I'm experiencing. I would agree with that wholeheartedly. Robbie, did you have any final thoughts on the game? Not not on the game. I think it's going to be an interesting one to build off of Joe's point about coming on the podcast last time. Everything that most people that cover this team thought would happen has happened outside of we've blown people out much more than we expected. So everything is still on the table for this team in terms of expectation. And this was the game that everybody marked on their calendar even you know, before the season spring practice, I had this this game circled as what was going to be the defining moment because I was worried about ECU, but if we had an offense, which we knew going into that game, we did have an offense, I felt better about. every All expectations are kind of reset right now because most people had Tennessee or thought Tennessee was going to be a pretty good team. They've turned out to be a little less of a team than maybe we thought but still a ton of talent, and most people had that as a loss. Everybody else had these games that we have won as a win, and here we are against UNC in, call it what you, it's still a top 25 matchup. It's two top 25 teams from the AP that when you look at it in Sports Center, that's what's going to be the matchup. Everything's on the table for us right now, and reset, rebuild, this is where the season begins, is how I think about it, and I'm excited about it. I'm getting more excited every week that I watch Fuente and and the team run an offense that's productive. It's absolutely right. I mean, if we win this game, I think the engagement of the fan base will be exponential because they'll kind of know we're for real. Like You can poo-poo the, the win over BC. They don't have an offense. And ECU, they're, they're not from a big conference, although I think most of us thought that was a pretty pretty big win for our program just to get over a hump. Uh, this, is, this would be huge, and this would make us relevant again. Um, so I, you know, 
from our lips to God's ears, let's hope these uh, these predictions for a hokey victory hold true. Um, Joe, I, I'm not sure if you wanted to say anything else. I, you know, we always are talking about the content we read on the key play and, and what you and French have to say and all your posts. And, and uh, it's a credit to you guys for how much the Hokie fan base has stayed engaged over these last few years. And I know you've been getting that key players club going um, and have quite a few, quite a few members and you might be looking for some more. Is there anything you guys have coming up over there that you want to mention? Um, I think by the time this airs, we'll have already published after we get done here, I'm going to edit uh, I think I have Joel's stat preview, and I'm not even going to say what it's predicting for us for the rest of the year. It's really positive, but I think it's probably <laughs> positive. But yeah, we have the you know just our normal overwhelming amount of content with you know, the stat preview, French's French word preview that's going to get published tomorrow Thursday, our opponent preview that Joey's working on. So just a lot of stuff. Our normal kind of kind of content overload, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, I you, think you're being you're. I think you're underselling what you're doing. Your normal amount of content is a ton of content. So it's a lot. So we join to... join the key players club because everybody wants that content to continue, and people's time and effort is not is not necessarily it's not that free. But we we want access to Virginia Tech information collectively. I just want to hire someone full time so we can do this the right way. Because it's not that we're not doing it the right way now, but it would be really nice to have. You know, Ryan's done really good for us as a, as a student, but it'd be nice to have like a professional, you know, someone with, you know, several years of writing experience to just write cool stories about Virginia Tech. I try to explain to people that we actually hit the limit in the key players club, a thousand people. And it's like by the numbers I look at, I mean, we do a lot of damn traffic every day. And there's a lot of people who are registered on the website that, you know, are have actually like registered for the website that are on it all day long. And so like the key players club is like probably like half a percent of like, everyone that's engaged daily. But yeah, like if we ever hit that, you know, thousand mark, we would definitely have someone. And if we went over that, we would just get another person. So it's not like, you know, I don't do this to make money. I have a full-time job and it's just like, I'm trying to be able to log on and read a good story about Virginia tech for free. And and I guess for people who weren't aware that the idea of the key, key players club was to raise enough money in order to have a key play beat writer that's fully paid. Yeah, that's kind of the end game. That's that's really the end game. I don't know, you know, it's just a, I don't know if it would be a traditional beat writer or you know someone who did a little bit of recruiting stuff or maybe just someone who wrote cool stories. But really, at the end of the day, just to deliver more stuff about the Hokies. I think it's like you know I started the website in 2010 and that was a fun season, and then 2011 was kind of a fun season, and then like 12, 13, 14, and 15, other than the Ohio State one, we're all like. Was absolutely terrible. So, I'd be like, curious to look at your numbers in terms of your traffic, at, at, like as of the Fuente season and the, the first few months and over the off season, as opposed to like you know our last two seasons with Beamer's last couple seasons and having Michael Brewer at quarterback and now the new excitement at quarterback in Fuente. Has it, have you seen an uptick at all, or is that uh, information you don't want to talk about? You know, it's no, up to we're, you. we're starting to. It, it we're definitely starting to. I think it's probably. Some days are a lot higher. Some days are less. Like I probably have to go back and like match the days of the week. And a lot of it has to do with like who we're playing and stuff like that. My guess is like before the Tennessee week, things were pretty hype. And then, you know, you lose a game and everyone's kind of like, Oh, we're bad again type of thing. Yeah. But um, I think, I think if, if Virginia Tech beats North Carolina, my guess is there's going to be a lot of people getting reengaged uh, with Virginia Tech football. No doubt about it, man. Well, thanks again, Joe. Always appreciate you having having you on, and uh, and hopefully you know we'll, we'll get you on again at some point in the near future or someone from the key play. You guys have been so good to us. Uh, thanks a lot, man. All right, no problem, guys. Well, that was a lot of fun. Joe is always a great guest. Uh, Robbie, let me ask you what you're drinking right now. I'm with the it's the pine hopple instead of pineapple pine hopple. Ah. It's a pineapple India pale ale. I think I'm going to be losing some of these now that we are out of summertime. I know that I had my fall IPA earlier, but I just wanted to go back to it for a little bit. Evolution Brewing Company. It's out of Salisbury, Maryland. It's good. It's just a little cut below the ballast point pineapple sculpin, but still a good beer if we catch a warm day. 
here sometime soon now that the weather's cooling off and you want something a little bit lighter for for a hot day. I don't think we're going to have many of those left this season, so I like it. It's it's a pretty good beer, and to keep up with with the the Sculpin series of beers by Ballast Point is a feat in of itself. Very true. I'm sticking with the Oktoberfest theme. I'm going with the Abita Oktoberfest. And Abita is out of uh, Abita Springs, Louisiana. Whenever you're down in New Orleans, they have a ton of this around. It's a pretty good Oktoberfest. It's malty, uh, like much more malty than the last one. And uh, along those lines of the, the amber in color and uh, caramel notes and that kind of thing, it's solid. I, I like Abita's beers in general, and this one is is really good. I'm sure on draft it would be excellent. I'm drinking it out of a bottle, and, and I like it a lot, the Abita Oktoberfest. Let's do the rest of our lines. We already all predicted a VT victory uh, and going against that one-and-a-half-point spread. But let's talk Clemson at BC. It's always such a weird matchup because they didn't used to be in the same conference. So anytime Clemson or FSU has to play at BC, I always think it's funny. But Clemson is number three, and they're 17-point favorites. I'm going with the Tigers. I think they're going to, even after coming off that emotional win, I think they'll cover 17. BC has no offense, and Clemson's defense is scary good. Agree. Clemson just went up against Louisville's defense, which is also scary good. And I think against BC, without the defense or without their offense, that they should be able to cover 17. Hell, we did it. They should be able to do it. Okay, next game is Notre Dame at NC State. NC State is surprisingly a two and a half point favorite. Man, that is weird. <laughs> I would not have expected that. Yes, it's a road game, but I had no confidence in NC State. I even made Wake my pick of the week against them last week, and they surprised me. They beat Wake by more than two touchdowns. Man, this is hard. I, I'm going to go with the Irish. I still, I'm going to go against NC State. I know Raleigh can be a raucous home environment. I expect there to be a lot of Notre Dame fans there. So I'm going to go with Notre Dame probably to win the game. But NC State will will definitely put up some points on that secondary. Yeah, the Notre Dame defense has been garbage is probably the best way to put it so far. But they, I feel like there's enough talent on that roster. They have a good quarterback that they got to be able to put up points. And I cannot believe that NC State, if you told me NC State was going to be favored by two and a half in this game before the season started, that probably would be, you know, top five most unpredictable things going into the season that I would have would have thought of. That's crazy. I feel like Notre Dame's got to put it together, and Brian Kelly needs to get their their shit in gear. Okay, next game is Georgia Tech at Pitt, an important coastal matchup. GT's disappointed a little bit, and for that reason, Pitt is a six and a half point favorite. I like Pitt in this game. Their defense makes me nervous about my pick because it hasn't been a typical Narduzzi defense. But uh, Georgia Tech hasn't been very good either, so I'm going with Pitt. This is a tough game to pick. I agree. Pitt's, Pitt's defense has looking, looked surprisingly bad, and their offense has been surprisingly putting up pretty good points. That said, look who they've been playing. So trying to keep that in mind... I I feel like I'm going to have to go Georgia Tech on this one. Given it's six and a half points, I could see this being a close game. Pitt winning by three, three points, four points, something like that. And Georgia Tech somehow holding on. The next game is a real fun one. You're going to love this one. Syracuse at Wake Forest. Two, two Titans in the ACC. I... Uh... This is just this is just embarrassing. We can't even. We got Syracuse next week, so I figure we should probably you know at least call this game. Um, I've been on the Wake train all season. They really disappointed me last week, but Syracuse on the road. I'll take Wake. It's a two and a half point spread. Wake's the favorite. I'm going to take Wake to cover that two and a half. Robbie, who do you got? I think I'm going to go Wake as well. I really don't want to because. For everything that Syracuse isn't, at least they're putting up points. And, you know, coming off, of, like, they won last week, right? And looking back, so... Syracuse lost to Notre Dame and Wake oh, yeah, lost sorry. to NC State. 
yeah, sorry, the week before. I I don't I don't know. I guess I'm gonna go wake. This is just was that shitty... I don't know or I don't care. <laughs> uh, it's both. It's both. I don't know and I don't care. I guess I'm gonna pick Wake Forest here. I don't know if I even want to do that because I want to stop talking about Wake Forest yeah, <laughs> at some point, and they're still four and one, so I can't stop talking about them just yet. So a loss would be great to get them out of the picture, but I'm going to go Wake Forest here. Okay, and this is a really big game. It's Florida State at Miami. Florida State's number 23. Miami is number 10, and Miami is a three-point favorite. Man, this is really hard. I haven't liked the way FSU's defense has looked at all. And Miami's at home, although it's never been a strong home field advantage. I'm going to go with the Canes. And some of that is just due to what I want to happen because I want Miami I want Miami to maintain that high ranking until we have a chance to play them. But I'm going to go with the Canes. I'm going with the Canes. They finally look like the U might be back. And for all us Hokie fans, how sick are we of hearing about that over the last decade? But they're starting to turn it on. They went out against Georgia Tech. People said, hey, you want to be recognized? Go win that game. And they did. It wasn't very convincing, I will say, against Georgia Tech, a team that barely beat Boston College. So let's keep that in mind that they won. And what they win by almost, you know, it was like 25 it was, points or something like it that. Was, or, uh, it was, uh, they won by two TDs. Uh, right, against Georgia, Georgia Tech. So for a team ranked as highly as Miami is right now, that's not a world beater, you know, outcome for them but I still feel like they have the talent I feel like they're putting together and Mark Rick seems to have found the right home after leaving after leaving Georgia and the last game we're going to pick we're going to go outside the ACC because it is an opponent that we played Tennessee is going to Texas A&M and Tennessee is number nine after their Hail Mary win over Georgia and Texas A&M is number eight after a surprisingly Good start to their season. A&M is a seven-point favorite, and that's a lot of points considering the ranks are eight and nine. But you can understand why if you've watched Tennessee play. I'm going to go with Texas A&M. It's seven points, and UT could could surprise me again. But uh, I, I think that Texas A&M is going to cover those seven points. The interesting commentary from national media is that how te- how similar Texas A&M and Tennessee actually are only Texas A&M is a better slightly better version of what Tennessee is is what a lot of people think I thought that was interesting commentary I'm going to go Tennessee I'll go with sort of a homer pick similar to what you did with the Miami pick because I I want Tennessee to keep winning so that's <laughs> that's our one loss and they have had to come back in the second half in their last two games and barely pulled the win in both of them. They got to get their shit in gear at some point, and I feel like this week is probably the time that they're going to buckle down and realize they can't keep playing this third and fourth quarter game where they make massive comebacks and pull off the win. I think Texas A&M is a better team, absolutely. Their wide receiver talent is better. I think their defense is better. A lot of ways I think that they're a better team, and somehow I think they're still going to end up losing this game to Tennessee. Yeah, I guess it's that, that Tennessee magic this year. I'm not, I'm not sure what to expect from them. They, they've, been, uh, they've kind of been all over the place, but we'll see what happens. That's going to do it for the podcast today. Make sure to give us a review on iTunes if you have the time. We would really appreciate it. You can email us any questions you have. It's 2DVT at gmail.com. And always hit us on Twitter. It's the same. It's 2DVT on Twitter. I hope that we can pull off this victory this weekend. It would be so huge for the program. It'd be great for our podcast, selfishly. But we do this because we enjoy the team so much. And we just want to see them do well. And and if, if you're a regular listener, you know how bad me and Robbie want us to be nationally relevant again. Please give us a win over UNC. If, if there's if there's a God, we will get this win because <laughs> I want it so bad, and I think we can do it. 
if we just play really steady heads up football and just avoid just avoid please avoid stupid mistakes and i know when the ball's wet it's not necessarily a stupid mistake but heads up play so until next week when we're reviewing a program changing win over unc and the return to national relevance go hokies <laughs>